Now, we're going to read from the Scriptures, and then after that, we're going to have a couple of favorites. Uh, We'll ask one from the ladies, and we'll ask one from the men, and uh, we'll sing the first and last verse of each of those hymns. But turn with me tonight uh, in your Bible to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. And we're going to read the first 12 verses of the chapter. Matthew chapter 3. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Reading, of course, from the authorized version. And you follow with me in your Bible. In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair, the leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea, and all the region round about Jordan, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bring forth therefore fruits meet for repentance. And think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And I also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand. And he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Amen, and the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Word of God. Now, my text tonight is taken from Matthew chapter 3 and the verse 2, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we're thinking tonight of the subject of repentance. So I've given you the text, now you know the theme, the subject of repentance. After the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ at Bethlehem, and the family setting up home there in Nazareth in North Galilee. The Bible tells us in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Here is Matthew, one of Christ's disciples, and he gives us a little glimpse, a little uh, summary of the preaching ministry of John the Baptist. Remember, John was a man sent from God. John was to be great in the sight of the Lord. John was to be given the pleasure of turning many to the ways of the Lord. Matthew chapter 3 verse 1 introduces us to the preacher. The preacher's name on this occasion is John the Baptist. Notice the place where he's preaching is the wilderness of Judea. 
I want to tell you tonight that that's the last place on earth you'd associate with revival. That's the last place on earth you would think about thousands being converted unto Christ. The wilderness of Judea is not the most inviting place. You could enter into that place, say on foot, and you would enter at your own risk. You could put your own life in danger. You would have to be properly equipped uh, to go into the wilderness of Judea even today. And yet John the Baptist went there to minister the word of God. That was the place where God put him. John the Baptist wasn't wasting his time. John the Baptist was doing the will of God. And John the Baptist had the word of God in his mouth. Notice the particular of his message. Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It was an old-fashioned, God-glorifying, Christ-honoring message. And if you move on down the chapter, you will see the people that John the Baptist preached to. We're told there in the uh, verse 5, Then went out to him Jerusalem, think of the inhabitants of the city, and all Judea, and all the region round about Jordan. That's the river Jordan. And were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. Notice verse 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits, meat for repentance. Now, now do, you, do you see that? Here's all classes of people. And they're traveling from Jerusalem, Judea, and other regions round about Jordan to hear John preach. And among the crowd are those that are deeply religious. The best of men as far as the law in Israel is concerned. Men called the Pharisees, belonging to a strict religious sect. The Sadducees, those that didn't believe in the doctrine of the resurrection or in supernatural miraculous events. But they're striving in their own selves to, to earn the stamp of God's approval by living a religious life. And it was these very people that received a terrible warning from John the Baptist. He called them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come. And what did they say in verse 8? Bring forth therefore fruits, meat for repentance. John the Baptist's message involved a call for a true and genuine repentance from sin. The emphasis at the start of John's ministry was on repentance. It's interesting that at the start of Christ's ministry, the emphasis was also on repentance. Listen to Matthew 4, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Did you notice in your Bible at the very end of Christ's ministry on earth in Luke chapter 24 and in the verse 47 this is how he finished it and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem there's the theme of the first sermon the emphasis on repentance the theme of his last sermon on the Mount of Olivet before his ascension it's also on repentance Peter preached Acts 3 and 19 repent ye and be converted the Apostle Paul, he emphasized godly sorrow unto repentance. He talked about the goodness of God that leadeth thee to repentance in the book of Romans. 
So the subject of repentance is not just some nuance to John the Baptist. It was in the mouth of Christ. It was in the Apostle Peter's mouth. It was also in Paul's mouth. And the subject of repentance is very important. I want you to think of three things tonight from this text of Scripture. Listen to these words. Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I want you to think, first of all, of the avoidance of repentance. The Reverend Dave McMillan, uh, no stranger to this church, tells the story of a young man that had a speech impediment. He had a problem with his R's. He had trouble pronouncing the R word. So the teacher wanted to help him. And um, she said to him, I'm going to give you a sentence for your homework. And I want you to repeat it over and over during the weekend. And whenever Tuesday comes, you can repeat it to me on the Tuesday. So she gave him the sentence. Here was the sentence. Robert gave Richard a rap in the ribs for roasting the rabbit so rare. So Tuesday came. So she said to him, and we'll call this boy's name John. Well, John, how did you get on? Get on okay, miss. Well, that's great. Now, this is the end of the class. The pupils have all gone. She's not wanting to embarrass him. And she says, right, John, now repeat the sentence to me. And this is what he said. Bob gave Dick a poke in the side for not cooking the bunny enough. The teacher had to laugh. She had a hard job keeping a straight face. Bob gave Dick a poke in the side for not cooking the bunny enough. You see, what had John done? Well, he had dropped the R word. He had avoided the R word. And you know, when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to the preaching of the gospel, many are avoiding the R words. They're avoiding the word R when it comes to regeneration. They don't preach, you must be born again. They're they're, they're avoiding the word redemption. They're not preaching the blood atonement. And they're avoiding the word repentance. There's no call to turn from sin unto God. And sadly, that's true of many gospel preachers today. Is that why the church is so weak? Oh, they'll talk about commitment. They'll talk about being under new management. But you never really hear a call for true and genuine repentance. They're not called to come and confess their sin and and turn from it and forsake it unto God. You think tonight in Northern Ireland, many churches that profess to be evangelical. And I'm not knocking churches. I'm only stating fact here. And what they're setting forth to the people is a watered-down version of the gospel. Why? Because there's no genuine preaching about repentance. It's not desired and it's not called for. And therefore there's no real dealing with people's sin. And how many who sit in church and hear the word of God, who are hearers of the word, avoid the word repentance. That, that is they refuse to face up to their sin. If you turn tonight to Psalm 51, in Psalm 51, David has been backslidden for a whole year, or almost a whole year. Dathan, remember, has reproved the king. 
king was guilty of lying, guilty of adultery, guilty of drunkenness, guilty of murder. He attempted for that year to cover up a sin. He never confessed it. He hadn't turned from it. He hadn't forsaken it. The Bible says, he that covereth his sin shall not find mercy. But he that confesses and forsaketh his sin shall find mercy. Here's David, silent for a year. You can compare Psalm 32, Psalm 51. And what does he say in Psalm 51? Whenever he comes back to the Lord, here's his, his, his prayer for restoration. For I acknowledge my transgression, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Here's an honest confession and facing up to his sin. And if you're a backslider tonight, then you need to do the same thing. There has to be an honest facing up to and confession of your sin before God. Remember, the Bible says, he that covereth his sin shall not prosper. And if you attempt to cover sin, you'll not prosper. But whoso confesses and forsaketh him shall find mercy. And you know, there's not only a call tonight for individual confession of sin. You, you, you turn to the book of Ezra. If you can find the book of Ezra for me. Ezra chapter 9. Look with me at verse 6 and 7. Here's Ezra the scribe. These are days when God's at work again in the kingdom. And this is what he says in prayer to God. He hears the church's confession. Ezra 9 and verse 6 and said, O my God, I'm ashamed and blush to lift up my face to thee, my God, for our iniquities are increased over our head and our trespass is grown up unto the heavens. Since the days of our fathers have we been in great trespass unto this day and for our iniquities have we, our kings and our priests, been delivered into the hand of the kings of the land to the sword, to captivity, and to a spoil, and to confusion of faith, as it is this day. See, there's Ezra the priest, on behalf of the congregation of Israel, and he's confessing iniquity. He, he's acknowledging sin. Turn over there to the book of Daniel. Here's a call to the nation. Daniel chapter 9. Look with me at verse 5. Daniel 9 and verse 5. Now these are important scriptures. I'm thinking of sometime later on in the year preaching a series of messages on God's call to the country. Part of God's call to the country is a call to, to national repentance. And here we read in Daniel chapter 9 and the verse 5. We have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Now he says much more beside, but I want you to think of the words, we have sinned. And you know, if there ever was a need for an honest confession of sin by the individual and by the church at large and by the country as a whole, then it's in our day and our generation. 
And I believe it's our job to, to call for, for a national repentance. Why? Because for far too long there's been the avoidance of the R word. I'm not asking you tonight to reform your life or clean it up or make a few lifestyle changes. Think of these words of John the Baptist. Repent ye. And the question tonight is, have you ever repented of sin? Individually and personally, pointedly. I'm not asking you if you're religious or if you profess faith in Christ. Do you read your Bible or you pray or you attend the church? Here's the question. Have you repented of your sin? Are you spending time and energy trying to avoid the R word? For many individuals are. And I want to tell you many churches are tonight. And there's sin in the church. And it's never been repented of. You take the great Methodist church. Founding fathers, Wesley brothers, Charles and John. Ought to be turning in their grave. Did you know that the Methodist church in England have accepted that they will engage through their ministry in same-sex marriage. See, there's a great need for repentance. And that's only one thing. There's many other things. And of course, the free church is not immune. The free church is not perfect. And there's things that we need to face up to and, and accept that we were wrong in and we need to repent of. And we need to have an honest confession. So it applies to the individual. It applies to the, the Christian. It, it, it applies to the church. It applies to the country. Avoidance of repentance. John the Baptist came and nailed it. Repent ye. I want you to think secondly. The aspects of repentance. So you, you're thinking now. What, what does it mean to repent? What, what did John the Baptist mean? What did Jesus mean? What did Paul Peter mean when he used the word repent well let me give you the shorter catechism definition and then I'll apply it from the scriptures shorter catechism 87 in answer to the question what is repentance says repentance unto life is a saving a sinner out of a true sense of his sin and apprehension of mercy of God in Christ doth with grief and hatred of his sin turn from it unto God and full purpose of and endeavor after new obedience See, true repentance has been called the tear of faith. Faith and repentance are two gifts of God that go together, gifts of the Holy Spirit. And it springs from a true view of sin. It also springs from a clear view of God's mercy in Christ to forgive sin. It consists of two parts, a turning from our sinful ways with sorrow and a turning to God with an anxious desire to love him and to live for him and be loyal to him. It's called in the catechism repentance unto life because it leads to eternal life. Eternal life in Christ. Jesus said, Luke 13 and verse 2, verse 3, verse 5, except you repent, you shall likewise perish. Now that's a good working definition in the shorter catechism, but is it based in the Bible? Well, let's turn to the scriptures. Turn with me tonight to Luke chapter 15. Let's read together verse 17. Luke 15, verse 17. This is the story of the prodigal son. And we read there in verse 17. And when he came to himself, 
He said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thine hired servants. You see, here's an illustration of true repentance. For the first time in his life, this young man, this young prodigal, is facing up to his sin. He recognized his sin. What did he say? I have sinned against heaven and before thee. That was before his father. I want you to think of that home. Two boys. There's a change in the home, I believe. No mention of the mother. Had the mother died? Does that mean that the light had gone out of the home? The anchor, the cornerstone? Here's the young fella, probably after the death and burial of the mother. He's headstrong. He wants his own way. He asked his father for his inheritance even before the father had died. The young boy sets off for the far country. The far country is somewhere outside the borders of Israel. He wants to get away from the influence of home. He wants to get away from the influence of the word of God and the presence of God and the worship of God and the people of God. This young fellow wanted to get away, not only from God's people, but he wanted to get in with the wrong crowd. Maybe here tonight there's someone, young or old, and in your heart and mind you're running from God. And in your heart and mind you hate God's people, and hate God's house, and God's book. And you hate God himself. Why? Because you have in your heart a mindset for the far country. This young man was allowed to go in love by his father. Didn't try to stop him. He got into the far country. He lived there for a time in riotous living. But you know, while he succeeded in getting to the far country, he didn't succeed in getting away from God. What happened when the money was done and the friend stopped calling? He ended up feeding pigs. Somewhere in the far country. Was it in the country of the Gadarenes? The Bible doesn't tell us. But that's the only place in the land of Israel or outside the borders of Israel where, where pigs were kept. We're told the young man, and when he came to himself, how did he come to himself? Did, did he learn about the healing of the madman of Gadara? Was he among the crowd when he witnessed the young man sitting beside Christ clothed and in his right mind? And the fear coming in the people and them asking Christ to leave? Is it at that time? What does it mean when he came to himself? It means he came to his senses. It means he faced up to his own sin in the sight of God. He said, I have sinned against heaven. That is against God and against his father. Maybe you're here tonight. You're out of Christ. You know, there's nothing in the world that can satisfy. There's no meaning or purpose in life for you. You've discovered that you'll not find heaven and hope and happiness in the world. Have you realized tonight that this young man, you've got a sinful heart? That you're a lost soul? Has that been a revelation to you? Because that's the first step to salvation. You see, here's what repentance involves. Here's the aspect. It's a facing up to sin. Turn to Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Here's Peter. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. 
Peter's preaching. And what does he say? Acts 3, verse 19. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out and the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. See, true conversion is connected to true repentance. True repentance is connected to true reversion. You can't have one without the other. Repentance involves a turning from sin. Repent ye and be converted. It's the soul's divorce. It's been sorry enough to quit. You, you think of you're born with your back to God and truth and righteousness. And your, your, your face is bound, as it were, for, for hell and for ruin. And here's the sinner now. And he, he resigns himself to this fact that, that I'm deserving of hell. Hell's my just reward. Hell's my desert for my sinful life. But he hears this call to repent ye and to be converted. So, so by the grace and help of God, he turns his life around and he repudiates his past love for sin. He now hates his sin. He loathes it. He, he turns from it. If I could illustrate it tonight, suppose you're driving down the road towards Balnehinch. You're driving in that direction. You get maybe past the temple. Maybe you stop to take a phone call and then someone pulls in behind you. They ask, are you okay? You say, yes, I'm, I'm taking a phone call. And maybe they even say, well, where are you headed? Well, suppose you said to them, well, I'm going to Belfast. What would they tell you? Well, well sorry, mate. You're going the wrong way. You're in the wrong road. You need to turn around 180 degrees because that's the road for Balnehinch and keep traveling down that road and you'll head to Balnehinch, not to Belfast. Belfast is in the opposite direction. Dr. Douglas told the story that whenever he first went to Australia in 1974, he saw a huge sign off the motorway. There's something to do with an exit. And the sign said, turn back. You're in the wrong road. And that sign was there as a warning. And as the Holy Spirit say to you tonight, turn back, you're in the wrong road. Because if you're out of Christ, then you have your back to God. You have your face toward hell and sin and to ruin. Ezekiel asked the question, turn ye, turn ye, for why will you die? Here's another aspect of repentance. Turn over there to um, 2 Corinthians in chapter 7. I'm going to read verses 9 and 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. Paul says, Now I rejoice, not that ye were made sorry, but that ye sorrowed to repentance. For ye were made sorry after a godly sword, that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Now understand me tonight. Godly sorrow is the work of the Holy Spirit. And godly sorrow has a distinct reference to the Savior. It, it's something that's practical, something that's continual. And godly sorrow leads to repentance. A truly brokenness of heart. Where you hate sin, where you're sorry enough to quit. It, it was the psalmist said. 
In Psalm 38 and in the verse 18, he he made a a, a statement there about um, sin. And this is what he said in Psalm 38 and in the verse 18. A tremendous statement. For I will declare mine iniquity. I will be sorry for my sin. Is that true of you? You see, not only is there a facing up to sin, and not only is there a turning from it to God, but there's a a godly sorrow connected to it. And that godly sorrow comes from God. It's the Lord that changes the heart and the mind. Have you faced up to your sin like the prodigal? Have you turned from it? Have you made an honest confession, I have sinned? Are you willing to forsake it and turn from that lifestyle to the Lord? Are you going to say tonight, Lord, I confess that I don't love you as I ought. Lord, I confess I'm full of unbelief for whatsoever is not a faith of sin. Lord, I know to do good, but I don't do it. Lord, forgive me. See, these are the aspects of repentance. I want to finish tonight. I want you to think of the acceptance of repentance. Think of again of the text, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Why should you repent? Let me suggest three things as we finish. It's the call of God. The words of John the Baptist, the words of Christ, the words of Peter. It's all in the imperative tense. In other words, it's all a command. Christ started and ended his ministry the same way. It was a major theme in his ministry. Same with John the Baptist. Clear, plain, lovingly, he stood in the wilderness of Judea and called upon the people to repent. Remember why Christ came into the world? He said, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Except you repent, he said, you shall likewise perish. Not the call of the church. It's not me calling as a minister. It's not an evangelist. It's the call of God. And you know, it's a mercy from God. God has called many times. Maybe you've had many tears in times of sickness and times of trouble. And, and you have known the Lord has come and the Lord has spoke to you. You know in the call of God. Do you know it now? It's also to do with the wrath of God. God's not only a God of love, but he's a God of wrath. He hates sin and loves righteousness. Remember in the context of our text, did you pick it up? The Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, John the Baptist, how he described them. O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to what? To flee from the wrath to come. You see, there's wrath to come. God's a God of love, but he also is a God of wrath. He hates sin and he loves righteousness. And the Bible says, he that being often reproved and hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed. And that without remedy. Except ye repent, ye shall likewise what? Ye shall perish. And you know the only message that sinner needs to hear today? Is repent. So often we tell them, well God loves you and Christ died for you. And that's important that we tell them those truths. But we're neglecting and doing damage to their soul if we don't tell them that they need to repent. That unless they repent, they'll suffer the wrath of a sin-hating God in hell. Ezekiel stood in his day and said, Turn ye, turn ye, for why will ye die? Turn ye as, as turning from the wrath to come and turning to the Lord for mercy. And there's an urgency about it. Could I tell you tonight... 
It's not only the call of God as to why you should accept it and the wrath of God, but also the goodness of God. Turn over there to one final reference. Look with me at Romans. Romans chapter 2. Here's the Apostle Paul. It's in verse 4. Romans 2, verse 4. He says, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? Hasn't God been good to you? Hasn't God taken care of you in common grace? Where does your health and strength come from? Where does the very breath that you breathe come from? Is it not a gift from his hand? Your ability to be mobile, the very fact that you can walk and talk and think, it all comes from his good hand upon you. The day will come when you may not be able to walk, may not even be able to talk. The day will come when your reason and strength can be taken from you. Unconverted soul tonight, have you recognized the goodness of God? And not only health and strength, but you think of his providential dealings with you in all the ways that he has blessed you, even the privilege of being under the sound of the gospel. And that is a privilege. Maybe you're here tonight and you're a backslider and he's protected you. And yet in your heart, maybe you're listening on the internet and you're a backslider and he's protected you. And yet in your heart, you're in the far country. In your mind, in your body, you're in the far country and you're hankering after the things of the world. Do we not live in an age of sudden death? Is it not the goodness of God that's kept you alive and kept you out of hell? Why? To give you space for repentance. Did you know that one night John Knox, the great Scottish Reformation preacher, and oh, that we had another Knox today. Lord, raise up a John Knox in Scotland and in Northern Ireland and in England. But he sat at his table one night and all of a sudden, he decided that he would not sit in the seat that he always sat in. And there was others in the home. And there's a space at the table with a large crowd around it. And there was one seat that was empty. And he wouldn't allow anybody to sit in it. He, he said he had a bad feeling. And that night as they sat there after a meal with the word of God, reading the scriptures and a prayer, there was a shot come through the window. And it went right through the middle of the chair, the back of the chair. And he knew that God had had his hand in his life, even back then. God has his hand in your life. He's given you space for repentance, unconverted soul, backslider. Here's why you should accept this repentance, because God's calling you. And it will deliver you from wrath to come. And it's the goodness of God to you. Now, are you avoiding the R word? Do you understand the aspects involved? A facing up to sin, a forsaking it, a turning from it, a confessing of it? Will you accept tonight God's calling me? I want to be saved from wrath, preacher. I don't want to be in hell. And God has been good to me and acknowledge that. I'm going to come to Christ tonight. Will you come? Will you put your trust in him? Will you accept him as your Lord and Savior? Will you live for him? May the Lord bless this word to your heart this evening.